Morning is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, Got to play pinball and put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades. You know where to put the cork. We're gonna take Nothing on the show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. While stocks in the stock market will be discussed on this program, check with your financial advisor or professional before investing. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Today we have Adarsh Mashru, Philip Sexton, and Tom Dupree with his bump music. Take it away, Tom. Well, it's all right. Riding around in the breeze. Well, well it's all you got me up. This is uh, from the Traveling Wilburys, which, of course, was a group made up of George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty. Jeff Lynn, and at one point, Roy Orbison. Um, three of them are gone now. But uh, I like com- listening yeah, to Yeah, we're them. coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group Studios, too. That's absolutely right. Uh, so how, do, how does a group like that have so many famous people but as a group, we're, in my opinion, I, I don't know anything about them as that group. Well, I think they did it just for fun. Okay. Uh, they were all older. You know, they'd already had successful career, careers. Tom Petty, Jeff Lynn with the ELO, uh, Bob Dylan. Everybody knows how famous he is. George Harrison, everybody knows how famous he is. It just seemed like they were doing it to have fun, to enjoy each other. Roy Orbison, he was the first one to pass. He passed when they did that song. Yeah. They did have a rocking chair for him. In the That's song. true. That, that He had already gone. Yeah, there there was. Uh, um, and then uh, uh, I guess George Harrison died after that. And then... Uh, Tom Petty died within the last couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a motley crew. Well, it was, they were all accomplished musicians that just loved each other's, uh, you company. know, you know what it kind of reminds me of, you know, the, the, the action movies, the expendables where like Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, all those real big action stars got together and made just one big conglomerate yeah. movie. It's like the expendables of music, right? <laughs> Hey, even the Highwaymen, I think that was a band just like that. With Willie, Johnny Cash? Yeah, and Willie Nelson. Yeah. And uh, or someone else, too. Probably, uh, uh, probably um, oh, you know, you know who I'm thinking of. Uh, I can't come up with a name. Uh, you know, the outlaw country music guy. Uh, oh, George Jones? No. Uh, oh. Move on. Let's you'll get co- into, you'll come up with it. <laughs> Let's get into this. Um, 
Waylon Jennings and yeah, Waylon Jennings, even Chris Christopher. How is it? I couldn't think of that. Okay. So the the market kind of ended on a, the quarter ended on a high note. Market did well again today. Yep. With uh, uh, positive uh, employment numbers. You got this article you want to read and talk about. Uh, <laughs> both do. Bankruptcy roadmap from Grants. We subscribe to Grants Interest Rate Observer, James Grant, who is a brilliant observer of financial markets and what's going on these days. And uh, tell me about it. Yeah, so basically what – what this article starts talking about, you know, what what you hear a lot of financial professionals, economic professionals say is that, you know, the, the damage that COVID has caused isn't going to just dissipate, you know, in a matter of months. This is, this is going to have long-term effects. Um, you know, what this article really starts talking about is that there's really potentially three phases of bankruptcies that could happen coming through this pandemic. Uh, the first phase we've already basically had, uh, it's your, your JC Penney, your Hertz, um, you know, a lot of your companies that were probably going to go bankrupt in the next few years anyway. And what the pandemic did when everything shut down was it just reached forward and raked them into now. Right. Um, your second wave and this is, this is the interesting part. Um, so he says, round two, our authority continues. You're probably uh, talking somewhere between second quarter and third quarter of next year. 2021? I, yeah, where I think even in a good economy, you're going to have a bunch of companies going through out-of-court restructurings uh, possibly, uh, but a good number also in bankruptcy. They're not going out of business, but are essentially change of control transactions where you're going to eliminate the old equity and convert the debt wherever the fulcrum is, whether it is senior debt or junior debt or somewhere in between. Uh, what it goes on to say is that uh, once what happened was, was that a lot of companies, um, cruise lines are a prime example, yeah. uh, is that they when, when the Fed came in, stepped in and pumped liquidity into the market, it allowed a lot of these companies that – really weren't producing any revenue to go out and extend, you know, get leverage uh, in order to survive. So it says once money became available, uh, everybody shoveled it in as much as they could without really thinking about how they were going to pay it off. Everybody was in survival mode. And if you could buy two to six quarters of liquidity, take a breath and have a chance to think about things and develop some sort of strategy in a revenue-less environment, you take it. Why die now when you can take the money and possibly not die later? Uh, so what you saw was, you know, there, there, there will be a handful of companies coming out of this that just can't service the debt, you know, can't get the revenue growth back up enough to service the debt in the future um you know so that's where you have to be careful with uh the third potential phase that he talks about is the ongoing shift of things like work from home people being more 
I guess secluded in 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 nature where like maybe they do more online shopping, more less office space is needed, and that's more of a real estate thing, um, and that's a slow slog. Uh, you know, I think the uh, one of the things that you know I've I've spoken to Mike about Adarsh, and you can chime in with this is that you know this this recession that I've called it the government mandated recession. This doesn't bother me as much as the next thing down the road, because what you've seen, and you've said this too, Tom, is you've seen all this money that's just been shoveled into the economy, you know, through debt, giving it to, you know, whether it's government debt, corporate debt, household, there's some household debt out there that, you know, what, what, you need time to really be able to pay that off. What happens if you get three years down the road and something legitimate happens that's not a pan... I'm not saying the pandemic's not legitimate, but something economically legitimate happens, like a I bubble could. busting. Right. You know, that's the danger zone. Right. And, no, that, that's absolutely true. So, you know, when you think about it, the, the last financial crisis that we had uh, in 08 and 09... Uh, corporations were in very good shape going into it. It was just the banks and consumers uh, because consumers had borrowed on uh, homes and banks had lent out a lot of money, but businesses were in decent shape going into the last crisis. Uh, Since then, uh, consumers have repaired their balance sheets. Banks have repaired their balance sheets coming into this crisis, uh, the coronavirus crisis, but uh, businesses were already uh, levered coming into it just because interest rates had dropped so much and they were able to borrow money. Yeah. The big ones, your major companies were able to borrow at close to zero. Uh, and then the response to this crisis has been, uh, you know, uh, the Federal Reserve stepping in and uh, the Treasury stepping in, pumping in more money and businesses are borrowing even more. So when yeah. the next crisis, as Philip mentioned, happens, businesses will be going into it with a lot of debt on their yeah, balance sheet. Yeah, they will be. And is this debt they're issuing floating rate debt these days, or is it fixed rate? So it would be both. So if banks are lending to them, then it would probably be floating rate. If they issue yeah. bonds, then it would be fixed rate. Uh, I, I think a lot of it that they're talking about is just bonds uh, because banks are a little... Uh, uh, shy of lending right now just because they are also worried about what may happen. Well, banks, uh, as we read the other day, can't figure out who's credit worthy. Right, right. And because of all these uh, deferrals that have gone on at the hands of the government, they don't know if they're lo- loaning to a good credit or not. That's true. And uh, I think the smart thing to for them to do would be to just wait and see how this unfolds instead of yeah. just lending because... That that's the other thing too. In this article, it talks about banks are actually what you were saying, Adarsh. You know, back in 08, 09, banks were asking customers not to tap credit lines. Even good customers, just please don't tap your credit lines because they couldn't extend it. Yeah. Um. You know, you told me a story, Tom. They wanted you to take your home off your credit line. They did. You know, and 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 I had a I had a uh, home equity loan back then. And uh, with my house as collateral, and the banks asked me to remove my house from collateral. Now, now, let me ask you this. How is it it's better to just have me as your guarantor than me and my house? That's insane. Yeah, it, it really was. But but it's it's the be- 
they were they knew that they were getting written up by the uh, regulators for loans backed by real estate. Yeah, right. Regardless of whether what it was. And now in this world, the banks can you know they they're shoveling out money to you know to clients through credit. Well, but you know, an interesting thing on the real estate side, um, keeping up with what real estate's doing, I've had my license, my real estate license for quite some time. Um, and right now the big challenge, and I don't know where it's coming from for real estate agents selling houses and specifically in the higher price range. Appraisals. Yeah. Appraisals. Real estate agents. How do you get comps? Well, they're getting clobbered, but because one, they're not comps. The market is so tight with supply and demand. And also, uh, appraisers are just being really, really tight. Because they don't want to put their neck out there. I don't know if it's neck or what, but... Um, well, I know. heard that uh, in a neighboring county that uh, an appraiser went in to the courthouse to do comps and they would only let him stay in there for an hour. Well, you, know, you have to make an appointment to go in and, you know, it takes a few hours you know, to do, yeah. a, do a comp and, uh, well, got- another thing the appraisers are doing, and it may be because of the virus that they don't want to inspect houses, but they're doing drive-bys and there's a lot more background to what a drive-by is and what, and some of them are just using, um, tax, the tax valuation, which there's a huge variance in that. So, um, that's not, that's malpractice just to use the tax the, valuation. The tax valuation, nine ninety seven and a half percent of the time should be much lower than the appraised value. Usually. You would think. You would think. You would think. But it's it's I think that the virus is affecting the real estate market in a way that you wouldn't think. Yeah. With the appraisal side of things. But why so, why I brought this article up, Tom, you know, in in to bring the the doom and gloom out there is that what you've seen is this huge spike in day traders and and you know retail investors and the fear of that is the fear of people who aren't looking at this on a day-by-day basis and not aren't looking you know I've, I've always heard the saying you can look at the trees individually but you need to be able to see the forest mm-hmm. you know and, and that's where you can run into some serious problems moving forward is, you know, you had retail investors out there buying Hertz. That's already bankrupt. Well, uh, what did you say this morning that the, it looks like the, uh, employment <laughs> numbers are up. Therefore the day traders are going to go back to work and Robin hood's going to go in the right. tank. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason why there has been pickup in day trading activities because people are just staying at home and they've downloaded the Robin hood app and they're just trading and it's also replaced uh, sports betting to some extent. Just yeah. Because. So. Uh, oh, I, I I know it has. <laughs> I I, I well, know some people for whom it has. There's no sports to bet on. Yeah. 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 Well, that's actually. A yeah, perfect, I agree with you. Hundred percent. Perfect example. I had a buddy that um he was he was on unemployment, sitting at home. He started a he started an account, and you know what he bought? Hurts. A Direction three times oil, <laughs> uh, three times oil movement, whatever, 
either way didn't he oh he made he made a killing on it but it's just it's one of those that it's a gambler's mentality yeah and the the problem is is you have you know if you're talking about someone who's you know thinking about leaving toyota or something or uk you know thinking about hey you know what this pandemic shook me out of the tree i'm ready to retire that's not what you need to be doing nope no and let's let's talk about another confusing contradiction in terms you're on unemployment and you're playing the stock market yeah that that makes absolutely yeah and with the money that the government probably gave yeah, yeah I mean. <laughs> why not yeah. all right flying blind into a credit storm widespread deferrals mean banks can't tell who's credit worthy now we've we have had a culture here at our firm of being able to understand and research and dissect financial companies and understanding security and things like that. Banks do that every day with their lenders. But uh, this article says that uh, uh, banks are not doing it as much. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what you were talking about, Tom, is that with you know people in deferral, uh, that's not reported on credit. That's a regulation that was that was given that you cannot report that. Right. And so the problem is is that you know you can't tell if someone's in deferral because a they're taking advantage of a program or b they're unemployed and their job may not come back. Uh, you know, right. it, it talks about uh, loan originations have fallen uh, a result of both tightening and uh, tightening and a decline in consumer demand An estimated 79,000 personal loans were extended in the weekend of May 10th compared to 226,000 in March 22nd uh, according to Equifax uh, auto loan and lease originations fell to 266,000 from 390,000 down from the same period and here's the one that really gets you Credit card originations totaled four hundred eighty-three thousand, down from eight hundred fifty-six thousand in wow. twenty nineteen. Uh, weekly card originations rarely fell below one point two million in in the full year last year. Hmm. So, what you're seeing is is that lenders they're they're not willing to extend to really the retail the retail person. Um, you know what one of the one of the other interesting things that I found in this that that really uh, was interesting. It said they are also considering using unemployment data such as cell phone records that show unemployment office visits and benefit deposit data that could help them figure out how to account for future loan losses. It's insane. It's unbelievable. It's, not financial criteria more behavioral kind of stuff it's well and and i mean the same guy all right so i'm i'm gonna pose another thing to you the same guy that was doing the direction three times thing yeah. he almost got his car entirely paid off through his unemployment because mm. he was getting thousand dollars a week you know the, the thing is is you're getting paid the exact same that you were making but you're not driving anywhere yeah. You're not spending it at restaurants. You're eating at home because everything's shut down. So basically, not only are you getting paid the same, but your expenses 
are probably cut in half. So, to me, this is the thing that finally comes back to bite us. It's the dollar. When you debase the dollar this much, printing money, there comes a point where the value gets called into question. Now, I still think good companies are where you want to be, but you could have a substantial devaluation somewhere down the line, or it could be gradual. It's probably not going to be hyperinflation because that tends to happen when you just give people money, but we were giving people money. That, that, that's true. So hyperinflation is, is definitely, uh, you know, uh, as of now, doesn't seem anything like that could happen uh, in the future. It could, who knows, but uh, we've already seen uh, gold prices have been moving up uh, in the last uh, year, basically, even before the coronavirus thing started. Uh, finally, gold was predicting something like this, it seems like. Uh, but um, the fact is that uh, ultimately, uh, you know, something will uh, give and uh, we we may have you know a crisis down the road if you look <laughs> i was going to say that we need to wrap up the first half an hour and you can hang on to that thought and we're coming to you from the dupree financial group studios on main street stay tuned we'll be back in just a few minutes what happened then we classified information russia putting a bounty on the heads of american troops What's happening now? To get the virus under control. I'm all for masks. Postpone reopening. Enhanced unemployment benefits. Your station for what happens next. An effective vaccine. Defunding police departments. Bow to mob rule. Erasing our history. Check in at the top end 30 minutes past the hour. Because we're going in the wrong direction. Where are we going to go? America. What happens next? News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree at Dupree Financial Group. Are you tired of your financial institution being closed? That the only way you can communicate with your advisor is through a computer? At Dupree Financial Group, we're doing in-office, face-to-face meetings at your option with our clients and prospects. The volatility and uncertainty of today's financial markets is enough, but it adds insult to injury when you can't visit with your advisor personally. Well, with us, you can. For a free analysis of your retirement investments, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. An iHeartRadio original podcast. October 16, 1972, two congressmen board a small plane in Alaska and disappear. Despite a massive search, they're never found. The case goes cold until a young reporter named John Walzak starts digging. What he finds is one of the strangest stories you've never heard. Did he indicate what was in the suitcase? He said it was a bomb. Listen to Missing in Alaska on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you find your favorite shows. Due to the coronavirus, church services will not be held at Southern Hills United Methodist on Harrodsburg Road. However, you can tune in to 630 WLAP Sunday morning at 830 for the church service. 
with Pastor Jim Nichols. You can also stream the service live online at 1045 a.m. at southernhillsumc.org. The Southern Hills service is also on Facebook Sunday at 1045 a.m. It's already a number one bestseller, and it's called Blitz. Trump will smash the left and win. By famed author David Horowitz, Blitz makes predictions about President Trump that will shock you. He also warns about radical groups like Antifa. Blitz is at bookstores, or get the free offer and save $28. Just call 800-NEWSMAX or go to Blitz411.com. Blitz411.com. Mike Huckabee says if everyone read Blitz, Trump would win. Newsmax says it's the best book for 2020. Call 800-NEWSMAX for the free offer now. This is the Kentucky News Network. A temporary restraining order was filed against some of Governor Andy Beshear's COVID-19 executive orders. The order now allows auto racetracks in Kentucky to operate at half capacity and allows daycares to increase the number of children allowed in a group together. Kentucky is reporting close to 300 new COVID-19 cases. State health officials say over 16,300 residents have tested positive for coronavirus. Four more deaths have also been reported, bringing Kentucky's death toll up to 585. And two people are recovering following an overnight shooting in Lexington. Police were called to Smith Street at around 1230, where they found one woman who'd been shot. A short time later, police identified a second victim who drove herself to the hospital. I'm Haley Hansen. This is the Kentucky News Network. Happy 4th of July, everybody, on your Independence Day. It's a sticky one out there on the steamy side with that thermometer into the upper 80s to around 90. Just the smallest risk for an isolated shower or thunderstorm, especially late afternoon. Heading into Sunday and Monday, temperatures again into the upper 80s, flirting with 90. A little more humidity will lead to a better shot for a scattered thunderstorm or two going up. Happy 4th, everybody, from the WKYT First Alert Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Hey fam, Jada Pinkett Smith here, bringing your favorite Red Table Talk episodes to podcast. I want to introduce you to two of the most important women in my life. My mom, Gammy. She's really old school. I never wanted you to be in that situation. Like, no. not date Will at all. And then we have my daughter, Willow. I'm going to be like my ancestors and just do what I need to do. Listen Listen to the Red Table Talk podcast presented by Facebook Watch and Westbrook Audio on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. While you can't believe everything on social media these days, you can believe it's possible to start a new life as an IT pro in as little as four months from the comfort of your own home, even if you have zero computer experience. Instead of waiting to see what happens when life gets back to normal, take control of your future now. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. Live online classes meet just twice a week. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Guys, waking up over and over to pee is not okay. You can reduce those nighttime bathroom trips with the ingredients in Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced. You can try a full 30-day bottle free. Just pay shipping and handling. No strings attached, no obligations, and no commitments to buy. Call 1-800-424-6557. 1-800-424-6557. 1-800-424-6557. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Are you interested in keeping your business local? 
At Dupree Financial Group, we don't share a large percentage of our revenues with a big firm in New York or elsewhere that has a corporate agenda that doesn't include Kentucky. And because we keep our revenues local, we are able to invest in our local research and client service efforts. We believe the investment business is best when it is personal and local. For a free analysis of your retirement investment portfolio, call us at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, please be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. And Tom's got some more bump music. Oh, he's loving this. And the music master. What you got now, Tom? More of the traveling Wilburys. It's it's called Handle with Care. Sounds so good. Going into the board. Don't don't put it down. Give it up. This one's got Roy Orbison in it. Listen to it. I'm so tired of being lonely. I still have some love to give. Won't you show me that you really care? Everybody's got somebody to lean on. Put your body next to mine and dream on don't pop me down yet oh my gosh <laughs> i've been robbed and ridiculed wait till it gets to the steel gate all right tom you take the controls and just rock and roll as long as you want to Okay, I just wanted to get to that part. You know, it's getting scary when he's not only doing bump music, but now he's starting to reach for the control board. I might be out of a job soon. <laughs> so, I don't think so. <laughs> That's good to know. He, he can fire you, but he can't fire you. That's right. <laughs> Labor Department proposes fiduciary exemption for retirement plans. Uh, this has been in the works for a long time, Um it's called the best interest rule or, mm-hmm. uh the labor department this is from uh the wall street journal the labor department proposed a new rule monday for retirement accounts that allow brokers and other types of financial advisors to provide fiduciary advice and still receive commissions in some cases so that's not a problem for us because we don't receive commissions but it it is it is somewhat of a problem for broker dealers although uh the ones i talked to seem to be figuring out how to work around it so in my honest opinion what this is all a setup for and what where the lobbying came from is annuity companies and mutual fund companies yeah, too. mutual fund companies too um i would say more so annuity companies uh you know because commissions on on mutual funds have They've been pressured 
a lot more than commissions on annuity companies. I mean, with ETFs um, and that approach. What, where, where I see this going though, and this is the scary part. This, this is this is me talking to anybody thinking about retirement or, or even investing in their 401k for the future is that if, if this comes to pass and what I think comes to pass where you get, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry out there trying to sell you on an annuity in your 401k, the way that they're structured today, there will be a day of reckoning. It may be 20 years from now, but there will be, you know, even 50 years from now, there will be a day of reckoning where either a, you go out 30 years and your returns are half that of what you could have been just in a S and P 500 fund or even less than half because the, the annuity company managed to eat every single piece of return for themselves or B, and this is even more dire scenario, you get, you know, what we were talking about where, you know, maybe you get this, this, you know, plunge in the dollar. Um, you get all this pressure in the U S um, maybe, you know, maybe you have a, a Japan like scenario where you get, you know, a decade of negative returns in the market and the insurance company or two decades and the insurance company can't function properly and pay out those those people that are retired. This yeah. is the more dire scenario. And then the insurance company goes bankrupt. And then you're sitting here with millions of retirees without any source of income. Boy, you're thinking up some negative stuff today. <laughs> but I mean this is this Man, is me thinking on. twenty years from now, thirty years from now. Man, and, won't you and, stay in today? Well I'm just saying I'm just that kidding. if somebody's selling you something for a commission and your four oh one K you've got you got issues there yeah. and the fact that they're letting this go through it's got issues you know right it's that's not something that you know i i think one of the things that we focused on as is, is being a fiduciary you know one of the things that really really help make this firm what it is today is the fact that we are a fiduciary and and are mandated by law it's not just right Tom, you be, you became a fiduciary before fiduciating was cool. I mean, really, when you think about it, you know, back then it was still all about commissions. Yeah. When you became a fiduciary, that's right. But you know, uh, a fiduciary fiduciating fiduciating that's Harrison County, if I ever heard it. Oh yeah, that might even be a little deeper south than that. Yeah, man. that's a little more red, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm flustered now. Now, it, it, it's it's something to think about, though, really. And, and you know, it, it reminds me, you know what it reminds me of? The Social Security problem. Yeah. Because it's the exact same thing yeah. in terms of your uh, anything that is a commission-based product, that commission gets paid out through returns. Right. You know, so if something's eating away at your returns. Yep then you're immediately setting yourself behind. You're lowering your return base. And what happened was what's happened with social security partially is setting interest rates to zero has crushed it. 
You know, when when you're factoring in somebody retiring and, and paying them Social Security, you're factoring in a certain rate of return that, right. that you need to get on their, their money that they've invested over their lifetime. And when you set that discount rate down to zero, basically, you get yourself in a hole pretty quick. You know, and this is the same same exact scenario here. It's it's ultimately government trying to to fiddle with retirement ends up in money for nobody. Yeah. That, that's true, right? The big problem is that the economy has become over-monetized. There's more money than there is economic activity. Would you agree with that? I, I would, yes, and the big reason and, is... And therefore, you got money that needs to get a return on it. There's nothing of economic activity to put... There's not enough economic activity to put the money into. Right. And part of the reason is that... Uh, We've been in a disinflationary cycle for three decades now, you know, uh, since the early 80s, which means that interest rates have continuously declined since then. But the money supply has... The money supply has increased... Uh, exponentially. Yes, especially in the last 10 years since the financial crisis. And the reason it's increased is because that disinflation has turned into deflation. We saw the first glimpse of that in 2008, 2009, where there was actual deflation for a little bit, but the Federal Reserve stepped in and pumped in a lot of money. And they their target was 2% inflation, uh, but they were never really able to achieve that because inflation consistently ran below 2%. And now we've got this crisis, which further put, you know, is a deflationary force when people are not working, uh, you know, when businesses are not producing uh, or there's not enough consumption. Uh, so this fight against deflation, which the Fed has been engaging in, has resulted in this increase in money supply and lowering of interest rates. Now, I would argue that lower interest rates are a natural phenomenon. They're not necessarily something that the Fed is doing on purpose. I don't think the Fed really controls long-term interest rates like they do short-term interest rates. Uh so if the Fed had just stepped away, then we'd have a scenario where the stock market probably wouldn't have gone like it has since 08, 09. And a lot of money would have gone into uh, long-term government bonds just because interest rates would have been higher, yeah. which would in, by themselves bring it down, not just from uh, dom from domestic investors, but even from overseas. So I think long-term interest rates are pretty much out of the Fed's control, even though the Fed has tried to buy long-term treasuries in order to, uh, and mortgage-backed securities in order to bring interest rates down. So this, you know, uh, money supply, ultimately, we know a lot of it is not really going into the system. If it, if it was, then we would have had much higher inflation. Yeah, A lot of it just stays, you know, on the balance sheet of the Fed, uh, really not doing much, but it does send out a psychological message uh, and I think that has led to some, uh, you know, speculation in certain areas. Well, when I started in the business, and I don't always like to make it about a history lesson, but when I started in the business in 1978, money market funds were just 
being invented, if you had uh, a brokerage account, and let's say you sold some stock, and then you had cash, and you didn't reinvest it immediately, the cash sat on the brokerage account in your account, but it was a general obligation of the brokerage account or, or the brokerage firm Thank you were with. So if the brokerage firm you were with went under, your cash balance could go under also. Then they came up with the money market fund so that your cash balances would roll or sweep into a SAG account, which was separated from the books of the brokerage firm. It was a, it was a separate mutual fund and it was, uh, it was where you kept your, your free cash balances. And what happened was the public began to get develop more facility with how to manage their money. And, and people began to get wiser and smarter about it. And, uh, and then, you know, in the last several years, uh, you have these, uh, zero commission brokerage accounts that uh, allow people to trade on their own without any advice, that sort of thing. Now, typically, uh, those kinds of things appear near a market top right. when uh, everybody becomes an expert in how to manage their money. Robin Hood, very toppy behavior. Uh, you know, it's like in the late 20s. The difference is today, we don't allow 90% margin. Right. You know, in the twenties they did. And, and so people were, uh, you know, buying a hundred dollars worth of stock with $10 down. And, uh, it's good that the margin requirements are a lot more stringent today, right. but there's been, you know, to make up for that, it's, it used to be that money, especially when I started in the business and long before that money was hard to come by. I mean, cash money, you know, uh, people say, well, uh, gosh, think of what you would have made off a million dollars if you invested in the S and P 500 in 1978. Sure. But nobody had a million dollars, you know, yeah. I mean, very few people had, uh, big accounts. It just wasn't around. So I think in my time in the in the business, which is 43 years, we've developed a much bigger money economy. It, there, there's more money out there. That's not to say it's any easier to get a hold of, but there sure is a hell of a lot more of it. Well, and market participation rates now versus 1922 is another thing that I think is much different. Now, I mean, everybody's got a 401k plan. Everybody's got, you know. Yeah, but they don't. They're not really players, though. They're not. A lot, they're a not lot players, of them don't even know what they're investing in. But it's money going into the stock market. Yeah, that's too. true. Um, my one thing uh, we we were talking, you were talking about earlier in the in the first half hour, though, Adars, the 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 dollar devaluation. Yeah. I I have a question about that though. Just a, kind of a debate club, I guess you would call it. Is if everybody 
is doing the same thing with their own currency, then why does it matter if we devalue to gold necessarily? Uh, so if if the price of gold keeps going up, if the price of gold keeps going up in terms in in dollar terms, but the dollar doesn't change in terms of the euro or the yen or the Swiss franc or anything like that, you know. Yeah, but we're not using dollars to buy yen or Swiss francs. We're using it to buy milk and steak and and stuff like that, and those will get more expensive, even if other countries devalue or not. We're, we're, it's not a worry to us. To me, I'm thinking, what's gasoline going to cost? What's a car going to cost? Those things. Yeah. And I guess my, my, and you devalue the currency enough. You will have inflation. You yeah. got to. And, and I guess that's what I was asking though, Tom, is if, if you double the amount of money supply and then you double the price of gas, then you're, you're back to the zero sum game at that point. Well, but if you didn't, if you if your income and your investments didn't keep pace with mm-hmm. the amount of devaluation, no, you're not. You've you've lost money or you've and, lost purchasing power. Yeah, in that scenario, yes. I'd- well, so even though money supply is increasing, we are not seeing the effect of that. Right. And just because it, yeah, it's not inflation, yes, you're not seeing inflation. You're not seeing inflation because the money supply is not going into the the broader economy. Uh, if that starts happening, it's not turning over. It's not yeah. turning over. Yes. And, and that's because we are in this, oh, you know, big deflationary cycle, which is turning into deflation. So, uh, even though the fed is doing what it's doing, it, it's not able to, uh, really stop that deflation. And I would wager that eventually there will be deflation, which the fed will not be able to stop, uh, just because that's. That's just a, a natural law. Now, if the treasury just starts printing and says, okay, from now on, everyone gets $5,000 a month in their bank accounts. At that point, yes, perhaps we could see inflation, but that's. No, if you give fiction. money directly to right. people like they did in, uh, uh, March, Uganda and Venezuela Somalia, and in right. Germany after the war, right. you will have hyperinflation. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And, and that's not happening. And, uh, it's because the money's not making its way to the public. Yeah, right. I, I guess that, that's you know what 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 my my question was was that you know if if the whole world is moving in the same direction, you know, because we're a global economy, then then how does inflation come back around to us necessarily? I that that would be. It, well, you're you're going to have to see some sort of delinking somewhere, right. and that's why it's not coming back around. Despite everything that the Fed has done since the financial crisis, the balance sheet has gone up almost tenfold since then. Yeah, uh, but there could be a scenario where you know there the balance sheet of the government, uh, the debt of the government, keeps expanding, and the, Is government the balance sheet eight trillion of the treasury of of, of the, the Fed. Fed. Yeah, it's yeah. close to it's approaching. Uh, Eight trillion. It's a little over seven and a half trillion right now. Uh, how how much is in Social Security? What is that like? Thirty two trillion in the yeah. trust fund? Yeah, I don't know. What I don't know. Thirty two, thirty four, something like that. So the Fed, but they don't control. That's the Treasury Department, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But still, that's that's crazy that the balance sheet of the Fed is gotten right that big that quick. Well, it's always. 
the prices of every, of anything is set by the marginal trade, you know? So maybe there's not that many bonds trading right now, but if the fed's buying and pushing the price up of what there is trading, it's going to affect every bond out there in terms of how they price it that night, you know, same thing with oil. Yeah. And that's why it's that one extra a local bond. oil producer told me though, that the oil that got down to zero and below was futures market oil mm-hmm. where they had to take delivery. They were forced to take delivery at Cushing or wherever Cushing might've been full. I don't know. Uh, you know, but they had to take delivery, right. but he was getting paid $21 a barrel in the field. So the marginal price, if you had a market where nothing traded, but a few shares of stock and it was way down that day, it's going to reprice the whole market. Yeah. It's, it's that one extra. It's the one extra barrel of oil, the one extra bond, yeah. what, what one extra share of stock. It's where that last one traded. That affects the whole thing. Yeah. Well, then the other point That's why that volume you, matters liquidity. Yeah. Uh, the other point that you made earlier that there are more people investing in the stock market now than say the twenties. That's, True, uh, but at the same time, it it shouldn't impact uh, the way uh, sentiment plays into the market in that just like in the 20s, there were bu- uh, bubbles, the same thing could happen today, even if more uh, people were engaged in the market, even if they were investing passively, uh, oh. just because it's a function of demand and supply at the end of the day. That was a fast half hour. I hope you all learned something today. Uh, We're here to educate, guide, and empower, and that's our goal with our clients. If you're interested in learning more, look us up on Facebook. Our website's DupreeFinancial.com. Call us at 859-233-0400. We'd love to see you. We are open, having virtual meetings and in-person meetings. You have been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group, coming to you from the Dupree... Dupree Financial Group Studios on Main Street. We'll see you. We'll talk to you next week. Violence and vandalism. Defund. Police reform. Surge of infections. Wearing masks. Travel advisory. Getting people back to work. At the top end, 30 minutes past the hour. It's crazy what's going on. Every day. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Are you interested in keeping your business local? At Dupree Financial Group, we don't share a large percentage of our revenues with a big firm in New York or elsewhere that has a corporate agenda that doesn't include Kentucky. And because we keep our revenues local, we are able to invest in our local research and client service efforts. We believe the investment business is best when it is personal and local. For a free analysis of your retirement investment portfolio, call us at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, please be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and dupreefinancial.com.